I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my big bag of onions. They come from Maine to California, broken hearts they bought so long. This night we'll share a lover on that dark radio. Had a soul made me so lonely. Hands pressed cold against the phone. See all the stars descending Parents usually ask me this question. What is a safe and healthy age for a baby to be introduced to screens? This means anything from tablets and mobile phones to televisions. Without a doubt, this is a very important question. But first, I ask parents to think about this question. What is the right age to introduce your baby to your mobile phone use? It's really important to look at your baby's face. Feeding and changing nappies alone aren't enough. A hug and a quick kiss aren't enough. Babies need to be talked to, tickled, massaged and played with. And they need your eye contact. There is no study of early childhood development that doesn't support this. By experiencing your facial expressions, your calm acceptance of them, your love and attention, even your occasional groggy irritation, they thrive and develop. This is how emotional attachment style is learned. Attachment style affects everything from how we form friendships to how we choose a life partner to how our relationships may end. For parents raising their child in a normal household, the simple idea that a baby needs a mother's eye contact, a small but very significant aspect to child rearing, probably didn't need to be emphasized until recently. Turn to the 
setting sun Sun going down, got to cover some ground Before everything comes undone, comes undone Forty years in the wilderness Dancing with the flies Dazzled by the visions Rolling out before my eyes Angel made graffiti Demons in disguise You could trade away your birthright For another day's supplies Or you could Take up your load, run south to the road, turn to the setting sun. Sun going down, got to cover some ground before everything comes undone. Take up your load, run south to the road, turn to the setting sun. Sun going down, got to cover some ground before everything comes undone, comes undone. sedang mendengarkan sebuah tas besar penuh dengan onions yang punya bill. The food can be tricky only because um, obviously you're looking for continuity. So if you take a bite of something at a certain point, you're going to have to repeat that action in a different size of lens and a different point of view of the camera. So you have to go in thinking ahead of time kind of where you might want to accent something with a bite or whatever. A lot of times if the food is um, in our you know, 12, although they do a real good job of keeping it you know, fresh, you end up pushing the food around on the plate. I'm a big believer in like just taking and jumping in and taking a big bite because I think it's sort of natural and also more fun to act around food and use it as a tool. It was really just a, about the experience of food, and I think food serves also as a metaphor. So if there is something, let's say, rotten in the state of Denmark, to use a, a Hamlet quote, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, fish in the percolator, it means that something is amiss and not right. And when the world is all good and everything is fine, then the food echoes that. And I think that's what Cooper would sort of 
what he would bring to his his experience with food. You're listening to My Big Bag of Onions. You wrote the kiss and it is beautiful. I can listen again and again. You never really got a break from the car wrecks and the pain. You love the sons of the pioneers and the Hollywood cowboy stars. You were just trying to put a hand to where we are. Like many people, I was brought up in a competitive school environment where group work was secondary to personal achievement. Today, this strikes me as counterproductive and I wonder what I missed out on by striving to be the top of the class. In music, collaboration is obvious and celebrated. Bands and orchestras perform on stage and everyone can observe their interactions. It's clear who is doing what but it's also clear that the end result of their combined efforts transcends individual performances. In fine art, 
The process of creation is mystified. It's discussed in elusive terms with jargon like inspiration, vision, process, and practice. Terms that are never quite defined. Collaboration, which has always been part of the creative process, has been largely neglected in the history of art. When we think of artists, we tend to think of individuals, nameable, recognizable figures, whose work is an expression of their own unique qualities and ideas. The mythology surrounding the lone and invariably male genius has dominated historical narratives around art and artists for centuries, and not just in the West. Sitting at the border of love when dots connect and there's an order up above. And there is no one that can touch me. And it's the same thing coming again. I feel I gotta say, gonna walk, I won't quit until I get to the bottom of your heart. Gonna walk, I won't quit until I get to the bottom of your heart. Ashford Meadow. Eighty yards away, Arian's grey stallion trumpeted with impatience and pawed the muddy ground. Thunder was very still by comparison. He was an older horse, veteran of half a hundred fights, and he knew what was expected of him. Egg handed Dunk up his shield. May the gods be with you, sir, the boy said. 
The sight of his elm tree and shooting star gave him heart. Dunk slid his left arm through the strap and tightened his fingers around the grip. Oh, can I guard me well, or else I'm dead and doomed to hell. Steely Pate brought his lance to him, but Egg insisted that it must be he who put it into Dunk's hand. To either side, his companions took up their own lances and spread out in a long line. Prince Baylor was to his right and Sir Lionel to his left, but the narrow eye slit of the great helm limited Dunk's vision to what was directly ahead of him. The viewing stand was gone, and likewise the small folk crowding the fence. There was only the muddy field, the pale blowing mist, the river, town and castle to the north, and the princeling on his grey charger, with flames on his helm and a dragon on his shield. Dunk watched Arian Squire hand him a war lance, eight feet long and black as night. Oh
this has got nothing to do with onions, there is no bag, and I might not be Bill, but something's big. In 1995, only nine years after the moratorium came into force, the management of the Alaskan black cod fishery was changed from a free-for-all that lasted 10 days a year to a quota system in which boats had an eight-and-a-half-month season to catch their allotment. Before the change, predation from lines was negligible. The presumption is that the lines were in the water for such a short period that whales did not have time to learn their value as a food source. What to do about all this is tricky. No one wants to return to the free-for-all, but attempts to deter whales by playing noises at them have failed. The animals just treat those noises as dinner gongs, and trying to outrun a whale, once it is latched onto a boat in the expectation of an easy meal, is futile, for whales are strong swimmers. Researchers at SeaSwap are working to find new ways to avoid the whales. They have successfully created monitoring systems to pinpoint whale-free waters in which boats can safely deploy their lines. They are also experimenting with acoustic decoy buoys that broadcast recordings of boats in order to lure whales away from the real ones. Early results indicate that these boys can summon whales from a distance of up to 10 nautical miles.
It's a Bill's big bag of onions. Travellers to Lebanon have long bemoaned the state of the country's roads. Writing in the 1850s, an Irish banker, James Farley, called the route from Beirut to Damascus a wretched mule path. The perilous journey over rough mountain passes took four days, as long as you dodged bandits and avoided the winter snow. The mules have gone, but the sorry state of the country's roads persists. Years of political chaos, low investment and more recently the influx of 1.5 million Syrian refugees, which has sapped resources, exacerbated the problem. Could a revival of railways save the day? The fate of Lebanon's rail network tracks the rise and fall of the country's fortunes. Built by an enterprising French count when Beirut was still ruled by the Ottoman Turks, the first line opened in 1895, cutting the trip to Damascus to nine hours. Tourism, trade and a nascent wine industry set up by a French road engineer flourished. When T. Lawrence's band of saboteurs blew up parts of the Turks' Middle East rail network in the First World War, Lebanon's dynamic railway factory produced the spares needed to mend the damage. By the eve of the next World War, you could travel from Beirut to London. At its peak, the country's railway was said to span 408 kilometres, roughly the same amount of track as today's London Underground.
to repeat yourself. It's condescending and it's really boring. And we tend to do it a lot, especially in work conversations or in conversations with our kids. We have a point to make, so we just keep rephrasing it over and over. Don't do that. Stay out of the weeds. Frankly, people don't care about the years, the names, the dates, all those details that you're struggling to come up with in your mind. They don't care. What they care about is you. They care about what you're like, what you have in common. So forget the details, leave them out. Be interested in other people. You know, I grew up with a very famous grandfather and there was kind of a ritual in my home. People would come over to talk to my grandparents and after they would leave, my mother would come over to us and she'd say, do you know who that was? She was the runner up to Miss America. He was the mayor of Sacramento. She won a Pulitzer Prize. He's a Russian ballet dancer. And I started, I kind of grew up assuming everyone has some hidden amazing thing about them. And I, honestly, I think it's what makes me a better host. I keep my mouth shut as often as I possibly can. I keep my mind open and I'm always prepared to be amazed. And I'm never disappointed. You do the same thing. Go out, talk to people, listen to people, and most importantly, be prepared to be amazed. Ed, what's the name of this uh, radio program that I've been making? I don't know. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Are you sure? Yes.
Thomas Ruff was young, he had a simple ambition to travel the globe taking colourful pictures of faraway places for National Geographic. Then he went to art school. His teachers at the Kunstakademie in Dusseldorf, where he began studying in 1977, were Bernd and Hiller Bescher, a couple whose austere photographs of industrial buildings, from water towers to blast furnaces, were among the most celebrated images in contemporary art. They encouraged Mr. Ruff to think more deeply about the history and genres of photography, its technologies and techniques, its limits and possibilities, and how it relates to other art forms like painting and sculpture. The simple ambition evolved into a more complicated one to produce pictures which, whatever else they were about, were about photography itself. A new retrospective of Mr. Ruff's work since 1979 on display at the Whitechapel Gallery in London 
adds up to an enthralling and unnerving exploration of the medium. Since Mr. Ruff was a student, photography has been transformed by digital technology, the internet and social media. He has been alert to every shift and development. His work lays bare how photographs are manipulated, distributed and devoured in print and online, in the news, surveillance and pornography.
Excuse me, uh, are you gonna do the voiceover or not? It's your Bill's big bag of onions. Margarine became a huge business very, very quickly because it's much cheaper to make than butter. And people were making huge profits out of it. But then it also became highly politicised because in Washington there were these butter lobbyists from the big dairy states saying, margarine shouldn't be allowed to be sold at all. People called it a greasy counterfeit. They said, even to sell it is a kind of fraud. Um, and then there were these bizarre laws which began to be enacted in the 1880s, New Hampshire went so far as to say if margarine was going to be sold, it had to be dyed bright pink. You could be totally sure that no one was being deceived. In Wisconsin, I believe, into the 1950s, amazingly enough, said you can sell margarine, but it's not allowed to be dyed. It has to be white. And if you want it to be yellow, the consumer was given a little sachet of yellow dye. But then lots of the margarine industry fought back and said it's totally unfair. And it became a huge argument, but eventually butter sort of won a temporary victory. There was this thing, the Olio Margarine Act, where a tax was placed on margarine, just to I mean it doesn't have such a huge economic advantage over butter. mysterious spell With the sound of your voice The smell of your hair And I felt I was walking on air Life she loves you And drags you through hell I was foolish and I was overwhelmed In the eye of the storm You always were there And it felt just like walking on air And when the nights were long You sang me a Told me how was not wrong. Gave me a love and a life's long, long road. You gave me this to hold a sense of belief. Since I've been
to impress the boss with all the effort I'd been putting in. I wanted him to realize that I'm the most valuable member of the staff and that the other people just sit around the office all day accomplishing next to nothing. One guy, Jeff, just talks to girls all day on his MSN Messenger account and when the boss comes around is somehow able to convince the boss that he isn't totally worthless. Anyway, I didn't care. I was just about ready to show the boss what I had done when I noticed that he was on the phone. I printed out my proposal, left it on my desk, and took a bathroom break. When I came back, I saw the boss with his arm around Jeff congratulating him for a job well done. While I was in the washroom, Jeff had apparently taken the proposal off my desk and shown the boss. He took credit for my work. I was so ticked off. That was incredibly frustrating, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, in the workplace, sometimes this can happen where people take credit for your work. Hopefully no one here would ever do what Jeff did. Nothing hard 
in the middle of a battle and say you're sorry. But we ask it of our children to just stop in the middle of a battle and say you're sorry. Which one of us is ready to just stop? Stop 
in the middle of a battle and save yourself. Which one of us is ready to just stop, 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 stop? Now, you might be wondering, how does a computer process such complicated information that I'm inputting on the screen? And the reality is that your inputs aren't registered as complex actions, because computers obviously can't interpret that, but instead your inputs are compiled by the computer and turned into bleeps and bloops. Okay, so as far as storage goes, you can get a regular hard disk drive on the cheap, but really should be strongly considering a solid state drive. I'm Bill Lawrence. Join me again soon for another big bag of onions. Thank you very much.